This week, we're going to have a conversation about last week. <laughs> we're in a series in Romans, and it's a bit about the gospel of God. And Paul starts off in Romans 1. He says, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets. And, and it's all about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. And last week, we, we had this, it was a, a really powerful service um, God came, spoke through Ken Hawkins, and uh, I'm sure a number of you are going, oh, wow, what's, what do you do after a Sunday like that? Well, we're going to have a, a conversation about last week, and, and what do we do? And if you weren't here last week, I'd invite you to go listen to Ken's message uh, online. We do have it posted on there. There's a podcast. You can download it. But uh, if you don't know, Ken uh, has a story of just a lifelong addiction to drugs, uh, alcohol, uh, you know, just in a, a chemical addictions, all of it. And he told his own story of that and all the death and pain and, and stuff that comes with that life. And then this miraculous conversion and miraculous healing um, that came with it. And now subsequently, the unbelievable number of conversions that have happened out of this ministry, not only with him, but God's led him to lead others, and they're leading others, and they've seen, you know, over 100 people come to Christ, and 40 of those have been baptized, and this is all within a year, and uh, a lot of them are either addicts or family members of addicts, and uh, he, they started this really recovered group in Wadsworth, and, and it's now kind of morphed into now they're wanting to plant a church, but if it wasn't just in Wadsworth, it's in Creston, it's in Akron. God had this, this lady who he just impressed on her, I want you to fix up the house here in Akron. So she buys this house, fixes it up, not sure who she's going to give it to, but just does it out of obedience, comes across the people from really recovering and says, oh, I'm supposed to give you this house. So she just gave, gives this house away to them. So now they have this recovery home in Akron. They don't even know how to run a recovery home. They've been in one, but to run one is a whole different thing. And I mean, he makes jokes about this, like this is so ironic. You know, how many times did I spend my life in these things and now God's wanting me to run one. And so it's just one God story after another with this ministry. And uh, what we didn't explain last week, which some of you may not know, in fact, actually we heard, like a lot of you didn't know, they were attending our church back since January. They've been a part of our church, and, and actually even before that a little bit, and been coming to our services. Um, and you may have seen them. They just, they kind of sat as a group, as a whole, you know, their own hood. They had their hood, and they all got together. And uh, so it's, there's been this, this bond that's been forming over the months that they've been here since January. And uh, somewhere in, I don't know, the summer, they just felt like God was saying, no, it's time to go launch. And so they've actually started their church, um, really recovered. Ken is finishing up and going towards a license uh, interview so he can become a pastor within our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance. And I think we said that last week. He's doing that sometime in October. And as soon as he does that, they're going to then start uh, officially pulling their church into the Christian Missionary Alliance as well. So really recovered will become a, a church, a church plant that moves towards full church status. It takes a couple years to get all the, the ducks in a row for that kind of a process. And, and so at the end of that, um, you know, all of a sudden we're realizing, wow, we've got a, a sister church. And I know some of you are like, well, what does it mean to have a sister church? We don't know. We didn't plan on one. And uh, 
and it's kind of fun. Uh, so we're trying to figure out what does that mean to, to be a sister church. Um, we do want to be one that encourages them and supports them and locks arms with them. Um, and we see this as us doing this together here in Wadsworth. It's a blessing. And so, but we're still trying to figure that out too because this has happened so fast. It's like, you know, when you get in the middle of what God does, you just kind of sometimes just kind of, you, you catch up to speed as you go along. Um, we often talked about building it in the air, and I think that's, that's kind of what they're doing right now. They're building in the air. It's, it's just a God thing. And here's the thing about this. Um, it's, it's weird how this happened because we didn't do anything to create this. It just did. And yet, um, if you prayed, if you have fasted over the years, because we've done that at the church. We actually prayed and we fasted for this you know, epidemic in our community of those who struggle with chemi- chemical addictions. If you've wept over that and prayed over that, this is answered prayer. Like, this is answered prayer. God has moved. He's, he's brought us into this. And I, I don't want to say that we're the only church that's ever prayed for that, but for whatever reason, we get to be part of the answer. And, and sometimes God answers and we see it from afar, and sometimes he answers and we're right in the middle of it. And I'm just... I don't know, it's a privilege. There, there's a joy to this, of seeing God move like this. Um, so there is a sense that we are part of it as we have prayed and, and fasted over this. So Ken shared a story, and then he went on to Second, went on to second Kings, and he talked about this idea of uh, looking at our communities, realizing, okay, we often just say, oh yeah, it's all pleasant, but actually stepping back and saying, wait a minute, let's look under Pleasantville, right, Mayberry, and, and what's going on underneath. And the call was to look at our towns and the cities that we live in and, and look below the surface and, and see the broken and see the hurting. And it was this message that, uh, it was this call that was left with us of, of living out. Um, we talk about this idea of God's called us to live up, be connected with him. He's called us to live in, being connected with each other in the body. And he's called us to live out, being connected to his mission of reaching this world with the good news. And last week was so much centered on this living out thing. And, and we ended the service and there was, uh, you know, um, a lot of what do we do next? Uh, and I got up at the end and I did something I haven't done in years and, and just kind of lost it. Um, tried to put some caveats out there. I'm going to be way in balance, but man, lost it. First service was a lot of ugly crying, a little bit more in this service. And, uh, and I think we all felt that stirring. This past week, I, you know, across the board, there's been such a buzz about Sunday and, and what God was stirring in all of us. It, it was just one of those mornings. Uh, I don't think many of us will forget and the Spirit just cut through all the excuses and the confusion or distractions and, and just our hearts were, were cut to the core, right? Holy Spirit speaking to us. And, and in those moments, I was speaking out of that passion and that, that response and uh, unfiltered, unthought through and a lot of stuff spilling out and so there's a couple statements I made, and uh, I got to come back to them. <laughs> I knew I was probably going to have to do this. I have to come back to them. Uh, I had a number of, of people talk to me, and, and here's, what, here's what I like is I got the benefit of the doubt last week from all of you, and I appreciate that. 
And even people who came up to me and said, Scott, you were out of balance on this. It wasn't about, you know, you're so messed up. You know, what were you thinking? It was the benefit of the doubt. I understand the context and everything. And so I just want to let you know that I love this church. I love even how people come and say, hey, look, you may want to have thought about it this way or said it this way. And so um, I don't feel like anything that happened in these conversations last week was... Um, like about correcting, you know, or like trying to like, whatever. You know what I mean? I just like this church. It's so good. Um, thanks, man, right there. I like your, uh, I like the way you cook pork. It's really good too. Um, amen, all the guys from yesterday. So we had to shoot out. It was really good. Um, so I want to just, I want to address several things that I, that I, not sound doctrine, let's just call it that. Not sound, not sound teaching. Um, one of them is I mentioned, you know, how many people we led to the Lord and that half of the kids this year, half of the people have been our own kids, you know. And that's not good. That's not sound teaching because I know when my child or my kids said yes to the Lord, it was so important. And to communicate that any child or any person is unimportant is not sound teaching. And I should have just said, we celebrate every yes to Christ. We do, whether it's in-house or whether it's outside of house. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I would have said that last week. So uh, another statement, amen. I, I guess the class is amen. Um, here, here's another statement. Um, I talked about wanting to go work for Ken and, and really recovered. And, and you're sitting and going, uh, we're right here, like, ow. Um, sorry about that. I'll talk about it. The other thing was I compared, I compared numbers, right? Uh, numbers of baptisms and numbers of conversions with us and where we should be and all that. And not good teaching, not sound doctrine, because Christ over and over says, hey, look, I've called you to do this, and I've given you this gift, and I put you here for this reason. I've called them to do this, and this to happen here, and don't compare the two. It, it's, you can't do comparisons. They shouldn't have done it. It's bad it's bad teaching. It's not sound doctrine. There was a time when the disciples were asking Jesus, said, what are you going to do with this other disciple? And Jesus is like, it is none of your business what I do with him. Quit asking. I'm going to do something with him. I'm going to do something with you. We're all good. So just want to let you know that. Um, should not have done that. Don't try to be in that habit. Um, try not to do that. The, in terms of uh, talking about, hey, I want to go work for them, this, this is where it comes from, and I heard other people talk about this afterwards. Um, I've been watching Ken over the last year just have conversation after conversation and person coming to the Lord after person coming to the Lord. And so a lot of what came out on Sunday, um, psychologists would call that transference, so unhealthy. Um, so it was a lot of me transferring to you and, and the journey is, is this, um, and I've talked to other people. He's, we're in, a, I hope I'm not skipping ahead here. I should just stick to my notes here. I'm going to stick to my notes after last week for sure. Um, he, he's in a ministry where everybody's at rock bottom. They don't have anything. Like their call is, do you know somebody that can help me? Because I'm about to die. Or I almost died. Like, it can't get any clearer. And so every phone call is someone who is absolutely desperate for salvation. That's his context. Our context, 
I would imagine for most of us is people aren't that desperate. People have a good income. People have enough money to buy a car or two cars. People don't have a criminal record. People don't have, you know, you just go down the list and what do I need God for? And so it takes us years to develop a relationship, to build a bridge so that at some point we can introduce the the truth of Christ into that one moment where they finally start to crack and, and you see the desperation, right? And that's what I was speaking out of when I said I wanted to go work for him because it's just so they're desperate, they, they need Christ, and it's just almost every conversation is one about how do I get saved? How do I get out of this life? And that's so not the cultural context we're in, even though we live in the same city. Does that make sense? So I, I want to work here. I really do. I like it here. All right, so we'll get to that in a second. Um, let me tell you what I'm not sorry for. Um, I'm not sorry for, for losing it and throwing off caution. I really am not. Um, even the crying, I mean, I may make a joke about it, but I don't regret it. There's, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible is what? And he wept in front of a bunch of people. Last service, I misquoted the verse because I got off my notes again. So I'm going to have to correct it again. God has had me on a a humbling journey the last week. I'm like, no! He wept because Lazarus died. His heart broke. There's another passage where Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem, and and he was weeping because they just, they would not turn to the Father. Just heart's resistance, and he's just weeping over this broken world. It's the story of A.B. Simpson. I think it's A.B., not D.L. Moody. Um, um, I'm not going to die for that one, but I am pretty sure. Um, but they, someone saw him, or he reported this, but I think someone saw him, came into his office, and he, was, he had a globe in his office, and he was literally like over the globe sobbing just weeping for the lost, crying for the lost. I've cried with many of you for people you love who don't know the Lord. I've been in prayer meetings. I've been in homes, and I've seen people weep for their children and for their moms and their dads and their friends. We will never be a church that regrets weeping for the lost. We won't. How can you? When, you? when you live up and you're connected with him and then you see people that don't have this and, and are just in this life and this world without him, it breaks your heart. It just does. I'm not sorry also for holding us accountable. Um, there is a, a jolt of conviction that happened on Sunday. It just was. It's from the Spirit. And, and to call us out was a spirit-filled thing to do, and I don't regret it. I don't do that very often like that, and it was right. And so many of you talked about it and just agreed with that. I'm also not sorry for the setup, and, and the setup was, was Ken up here with a mohawk on, you know? It's the first time we've ever had a mohawk 
you know, up here on stage speaking in a service. And, and you know what's funny about it? I didn't plan on the setup. Like, you know how when you, you know someone and you first see all their appearance and after a while you don't see their appearance anymore? You just kind of get used to it. It just never even dawned on me um, when he got up here that he had a mohawk. I mean, it's just Ken. Like, I don't know. Ken's Ken. And uh, so to hear a number of you go, wow, that was, that was a setup. Wasn't ready for that. And it was a number. And, 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 the, and the heart inside to go, oh, I can't believe I'm looking at appearances still after this long with Christ. And the reality is we all do. There's, there's things that we look at. There's, there's ways we look at people. We all do it. And that setup, I'm not sorry for. I'm not. And it's cool to hear the hearts that, that in the middle, 15 minutes in, most of them are like 15, 20 minutes in, going, Lord, I'm so sorry. I see this blind spot and just the heart of repentance. Um, I love in our church. And so we're here today, and I just wanted to clarify those things, and then we're just going to talk a little bit about how we can get traction with this living out. Um, last week was, uh, didn't leave with really strong, clear steps of what to do. And uh, so what does it look like living out as a Christian, being connected to his mission? I think the first thing... Uh, I think is just your own walk with God and your own connection to him and are you confident in your ability to share the gospel of God, the, the good news about Jesus with somebody? And many of us aren't. I mean, it, it's, it's awkward, it's hard, it's difficult. And, and we're actually offering a seminar here uh, in November. I think it's November 11th. And it's going to be about sharing your faith. How do you do that? And if that's something you're sitting there going, man, I need to do that, there's more information coming. Put that down there. Pray and ask God, and Lord, do I need to go to something like that? And he'll tell you. Another thing you can do is jumping to this living out Sunday. And it's not the end-all, be-all, but it is something that we are going to do as a church body, that the leadership feels like we need to do this. And just jump into that. It's different. I know it's different. It's early in the morning for your second service people. I get it. Sorry about that. Hey, trying to get the kids up. But the nice thing is they can just wear the clothes they slept in because, you know, it doesn't matter. You're going to go work. So just maybe not. Sorry. That's a dad talking, not a mom. <laughs> I get it. I'll stay in my lane. Just stay in my lane. Uh, third, you can partner with our international workers, with the Duex that are over in Senegal, with uh, Summer Harstlers in Germany, and we're going to start even meeting some of the people that are on those fields with them. And, and that's by prayer praying for them, and, and that's by supporting them financially. You give to, if you yeah, want to do that, you give to this thing called the Great Commission Fund, which is our national fund that pays the salaries of all our missionaries rather than paying them individually. And so you give to that, and it, it sends them out across the world. And I encourage you to jump in on that if, if God's leading you that way. So many of us are. Another way, and it's a fourth way, is with Alpha. We've talked about this, but I, I want to I want to take it a different direction than maybe what you think. Alpha, as we have looked at our church, there has not been a context where you could invite a non-Christian or somebody who doesn't follow Christ and who's still seeking. There's no context to invite them in and have a conversation about faith and let them explain what they believe and actually have them heard. We don't have that kind of a safe harbor 
for those kind of conversations. Alpha is that safe harbor. This past week, uh, a coworker, someone from our church invited a coworker to come, and they said yes. And they're sitting at a table. I'm like, I wonder how that's going because this coworker was, I mean, very, you know, upfront. I'm not a Christian. And we're like, rock on. Um, and so they're sitting there. I'm wondering how it's going. At the end of the night, I got a text actually the next day saying, you're not going to believe this. But he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And he's coming back. He can't wait to come back. So what happened that night is we created this this place of safety, and we said, look, there's, there's no arguing. We're respecting each other. You're not trying to win anybody to your faith, or we're not trying to win anybody. This is about hearing each other. Where are you in this journey? What do you believe? The question we asked him was, if there was a God, and you could ask that God a question, what question would you ask? We got some pretty intense questions, and that's that's what we were creating there. And I want to encourage you, Alpha, you may not be one wanting to lead in that, but if you have a friend, if you have a coworker, if you have a family member, invite them and come with them. Say, I'll go through it with you. Let's do this together. That's what that's about. So we got another one coming in January. And we're praying, we're, we're, at, we're by faith hoping that we can do this at minimum two times a year, if not three times a year. And I know the Alpha team's out there like, three times a year. Um, I haven't talked to them about that, and they didn't sign up for that, so you're not, like, you know, required to do that. But that's what we want. This is going to be part of our culture. We have a place where you now can invite somebody to come and explore what Christ said and let them do that journey. Fifth, um, here's the last thing. I'd encourage you to take a risk. Take a risk. A faith-filled risk. Don't do it on yourself. Don't do it by yourself, right? But take a risk. Step out. It's so hard, you know, to, to step out and, and like, I can't believe I'm going to have this conversation. I can't believe I'm going to go there. It's, it's awkward. It's difficult. But take a risk. One final thought, and I'll just, this will kind of transition it. Um, into the final, you know, moments here. Um, You know, I I gave an impression or some people got an impression that I was down on fresh water and God's not moving here and things along that line. And if I gave that impression or you sensed that, I am way sorry. I am not down. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That kid is, but uh, I feel your pain. Yes, I feel it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I pointed it out. Now we're all listening. So, <laughs> my fault. My fault. So let me let me just set the record on this. Right, um, I love fresh water. Yes, I do. <laughs> I love fresh water. No. Um, when we came back from our sabbatical, we sat down with our elder board, and I think I referred to that, and just had this conversation that I think it needs to happen, you know, every so often of how is the ministry going, and do we see God going the same direction in terms of me? Am I still, I don't want to ever assume, I don't want to run too long and, and overstay the calling, and it's, it's a it's a team decision. It's not my decision. And we, we all hear from God as a staff and board. And the elders were, uh, you know, we all 
felt like God was saying, no, keep going. And we want to be here, and we're excited to be here, and we want to stay as long as God wants us here. And God is moving here. I, I want you to know that. God is moving here. We see all kinds of things of health and momentum. And um, when it comes to living out, um, here's, here's the, uh, the thing that as I see Freshwater and what we've, we've kind of understood as we talk about as a staff, what God is doing at Freshwater. Um, he's placed us in this community and it's in an area that's, that's highly churched. It really is. It's not nearly as secularized as you would go to some other places in the country. There's still a lot of people that have gone to church or are still going to church in this area. But there's also a lot of people who have left the church and, and Christian dudes dudettes says, coined this term de-churched, people who used to go to church but have left the church. And so our, our area is filled with all kinds of people who are de-churched, who walked away from the church because they were wounded by the church, you know, disenfranchised by or disgusted by the hypocrisy of the church. Um, they themselves fell in love with the world and drifted from God, whatever, however, and the, the end result is they're no longer connected to the church and, and their relationship to God at best, they, they still probably would believe in him, but many have talked about feeling disconnected with them and even like it, it, that it was broken, like there wasn't even anything there. And so there's this, this cultural Christianity, right? This secular Christianity, if that's even a possible idea. And God's put us in the middle of this and he's given us all these relationships and so it's been an invitation here and a conversation here or God, just a God event where it's like nobody's, you know, he uses nobody here and he just prompts them to come. And what we hear time and time and time again is people coming through these doors and they start weeping. Coming through these doors and they just, it's almost like they stumbled in and God helps them and just kind of carries them into, the, into this room and they just are held by him, cared by him. This past couple of weeks, I had four different stories. I got to talk with a couple people and then some others came up to the staff and said, hey, make sure Scott knows this. And literally their story was, all four stories were the same story and it was this story. Was about to give up on God. Had left the church. Been gone for the church from years. Was giving God one more chance. Was giving the church one last chance. Was desperate. And they all talked about just coming in and just was like, I can't believe. I knew this was possible. I knew meeting God was, was out there and just talked about healing. And it's like we have this ministry, and I don't know if it's, I don't mean it as an insult, but in the best sense of the word, of converting Christians. Does that make sense? I don't, even know, if that, I don't know how you count that in the kingdom of God. <laughs> and we see other people, there's stories of other people far from God coming to him. But why, why does that happen here? Uh, it happened because before we even got here, there was a group of people. It was an older generation back 15 years ago 
but they were resolved on this idea that God could fill a group of people in such a way that it would overwhelm his presence, his power, his love would overwhelm the service and those who come in. You wouldn't have to say a word because he would be here. And the Bible talks about this, and they prayed about it, and we came and joined the movement, and and God started doing this thing, and it came out of prayer and prayer and prayer. And and it's this idea, you get it out of the Bible, Acts 1-8 is up on the screen, and it says this, Jesus is telling these disciples, and he says, look, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But his, his command was, wait for the Spirit. And don't do this without the Spirit. And so we started praying, well, wait a minute. That's, this is how it goes. Not wait a minute. Lord, your, your word teaches this. We're not going to do this without you. And until your Spirit comes and starts to fill us and fill our services and send us out, we're not going to do anything. And we refuse to just play church. We refuse to just do traditions. We want the power of the Holy Spirit on us. And that's what we prayed and that's what God started to do. We had a Holy Spirit weekend, which is like, who names something a Holy Spirit weekend? Like, you're just kind of naming it and saying God's going to show up. Pretty audacious in one sense, but it's the only way to describe that weekend. It was about eight or nine years ago we did that. And it did something in us as a church. That weekend was unbelievable, what God worked out. And it, it's a lot to do with where we are even today. The power of the Holy Spirit. So when you live up and you get this Holy Spirit connection, it's worship and praise, and then he starts to say, hey, while you're doing this, you're going out. I mean, it's all blended together, right? So you're living out. You don't just keep this. I'm going to send you out with power. And so we don't just go out on our own. We go out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a leadership, we have been saying recently, hey, we got to do this Holy Spirit weekend again. Because there's a lot of us here that have never gone through something like that and understand the role of the Holy Spirit and who he is and that he's not an it, he's actually a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not just a ghost. He's fully God. And so stay tuned. Next, hopefully, six months, we're going to have that weekend. I encourage you to, to come to that. What we're going to do here in the last minutes is uh, create time. I, I think the, the best thing to do is the temptation is like, oh, we've got to have another powerful service. <laughs> do another thing like can, and it just never works because that's what God did last week. Um, but I think what God would have us do this week is actually to just sit and, and hear from him or more than that, move however he leads us to move but to hear from the Holy Spirit and to receive the Holy Spirit in a fresh way, to come under his influence in a new way today. So I invite the team to come up, uh, the worship team. We're going to spend some time just hearing from him and receiving from him. And the dangerous part of this thing is when the Holy Spirit starts to move, it may have nothing to do with what I just talked about. If God starts talking about something, just go with where he leads. Um, it's, it's just way better that way. 
And we're going to create time. And I know some of you are like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do just sitting here for, you know, whatever, 20 minutes? And we'll be singing some songs and stuff like that. But some of you, this is going to stretch you if you're like, you know, your legs start to move in and you're like, okay, let's move on, let's go. Um, just take a breath and create space for God to move. Just do that, all right? Let me encourage you to try to do that. And we're just going to ask him to speak and to lead us. Let me pray as we begin.